0: Good afternoon. Thank you for joining another episode of It's All About Perspective. I am your host, Robert Hinchliffe, and I have a guest today that I really respect. I think she's wonderful. One of the best things about her is that she is not afraid to speak up on behalf of admin or teachers or anything. So welcome into the podcast, Jen Black. Jen, thanks for being here.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. How was your day? It was rough today. Not going to lie. Do you want to, um,
0: do you want to expand never, on that at
1: all? <laughs> that was cool. um, the Probably the hardest day we've had so far, but we made it. Um, everyone, you know, pitching in, doing what they have to do, as always. So teamwork makes the dream work.
0: Is it because you're short-staffed or because children are difficult, or do you want to elaborate on that at all?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't. Well, we, we were short-staffed today in the STAR program. Uh, so we had our SPTA who was off, but I had other staff pitching in. It just happened to be the... The dynamics of, of some kids who weren't regulated today and yeah. we couldn't seem to uh whatever we tried we just it just wasn't working today so yeah, just, I mean, there's just days that, yeah it's some just, days just like that right i mean i looked it up there's no full moon so <laughs> uh, we the wind turned, wasn't blowing yeah we were trying to figure out like what what was going on today um we all felt just it was a little bit off today
0: so I really got to know you, like uh, when I was on, when I was the treasurer of a union. But I honestly don't know anything like what you taught, anything like that. So, just for the listeners, just run through all your background and give them your give me your details.
1: All right. Well, I started my teaching career in Bullhead City, Arizona, in 1994. Um, I taught first and second grades there. I moved to Las Vegas in 1998. I was a teacher at Lynch Elementary School. Um, I also taught at Lincoln Elementary, where I am the current principal now. Um, From Lincoln, I went back to Lynch as the assistant principal in 2006. And then I was the principal at Watson Elementary from 2008 to 2011, and then back to Lincoln. So I've been at Lincoln since 2011. It's my 13th school year, which, you know, is sort of unheard of in Clark County School District, right? That um, principals are in the same school for that long either due to their own choice or to you know maybe being promoted or or moving on or retiring yeah i feel
0: like they don't move us around here as much as they used to um, no i
1: think with the new 469 i mean that puts a little bit different perspective on um people you know going to other schools right i mean the goal is that the sot has the opportunity to interview and you know make the selection of the top three so i think that has changed the dynamics but- a little bit
0: yeah, that could. I don't. I wonder often if they um, they don't move principals or admin around as much because they kind of realize that we need stability in some shape or form with everything. Uh, I, yeah, mean, so we're,
1: Lincoln, we're, I mean, especially at Lincoln. I mean, the the longer you're there, you can get systems and and structures put into place, and then obviously the ultimate goal is to retain the staff. Even though we know Vegas is pretty transient, I mean, for the most part, I, I have staff that have that were at Lincoln before I got there. They were there when I was teaching there.
0: So I would not have thought you were going to say that because, you know, Lincoln, it's not it's not the toughest, but it's tough. Um, yeah, and and that's uh, I think that's a testament to you, though, because, you know, when a new principal comes in, everybody's either bailing or thinking, when am I bail? When am I going to bail? But then you've got you've gotten to stay there since since long before. So that's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the goal for me was not to be a principal who bopped around, and I really had no desire to uh, promote up into, you know, a central office position. So I do drive across town, which I don't mind. That's my me time in the morning and me time on the way home. Um, Obviously, the morning, the commute's a lot faster. Today, it was pretty brutal. It was, you know, 45, 50 minutes, but there's a lot of construction on. And
0: construction's everywhere. Like, is there a road in Vegas that doesn't have a cone on it?
1: No, I don't think so. I often...
0: Yeah, like wh- how how are you I mean, how are they that inefficient? I don't know if that's the right word, but how can we have like 98 projects going on at once and not finish any of them?
1: That's exactly what I wonder often, right? Like, <laughs> do we have to have every road and every freeway torn up at the same time?
0: Yeah, I don't understand like well, why don't we, we...
1: People, because most of my staff does commute in, right? And it does pose another challenge. Now they're they're on the road even earlier trying to get into work. Um we're an early start school, so teachers yeah. report at So they're on the road early. I don't
0: know if you know this, but I have a a parent at our school that uh, is on the radio. It's Sean and Amy, Sean Tempesta in the morning. And he he does a spot every now and then about traffic. And his the other day was essentially like, who is in control? Who is in charge of all this? Who thinks that this is a good idea to tear this road up at the same time as that one? And I'm like, Sean, they don't care. What's important to us isn't important to them. And you know that's a that's a lesson that can be in anything, really.
1: Yep. Here's the project. We have the funding. You know, money runs out by by this point. Spend the money. Do the work. I think too. There's there's a lot of it being done with Formula One coming to town.
0: That's yeah, probably. Kind of, is, yeah, probably. That,
1: you know, obviously Same. that that downtown area strip area is being torn up for that.
0: Yeah. So you are the president of our union. I don't know if that's the correct terminology, but um, you're the president the way I look at you, you're the president. Um, what 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 drove you to take that on? Because it's not an easy decision, I'm guessing, to put yourself out there and put yourself in this position.
1: Well, actually, let me tell you the backstory. So I did not ever think I would serve in that capacity. So what happens when you're elected is you're president-elect for a year, you're president, and then you're past president. So it is a three-year commitment of time. Um, the, the biggest time commitment is the year you're the president, uh, you facilitate all of the CASAPE meetings. Um, but I had a high school principal reach out to me. Um, I'm not sure if people know, but, but every other year it goes elementary, secondary, elementary, secondary. So secondary principal, Greg Cole was in the seat for president and then it was election time. So a high school principal reached out to me and said, Hey, uh, have you ever considered, you know, running for CASAPE? president. And I was like, no, because I was certainly <laughs> on board, you know, just on the rep council. And he's like, Hey, I think you should, you know, give it some thought, you know, you're highly respected, uh, mm-hmm. the high school principals like you, which, you know, they're brutal. So that's sorry. <laughs> yeah. okay. And if you can get on the ticket and they back you, I mean, you're going to get elected. That's just how right. it works. Um, so I said, you know, let me think about it. Um, it, I know it's a time commitment. Um, but I'm going to, I feel like I'm in a place in my career, like I'm ready for that next challenge. Yeah. Got the school running pretty good. Um, added an assistant principal this year. So I have two APs. And so I gave it a shot, was on the ballot, uh, got elected. So I took office July 1, um, right in time for negotiations to be. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my yeah. dog is barking. It's all right. This is real life. Dogs
0: bark. It's okay. Uh,
1: so, yeah, so happy to be there. You yeah, know, I have a great support in um, Greg Cole. Uh, from Mojave. And then obviously, um, president elect Lou Marcusis at Canyon. He'll yeah. be the president next year when I'm past president. So
0: I really so, feel like
1: it's an honor. You know, you're elected by your peers. Um, yeah. all administrators vote if they're a member of CASAPE, which we have a 98% um, membership rate, which is, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you look at that, cause
0: you know, i I, I wouldn't, I would never run. I'm putting that out there. I don't have the patience for it. But I I was very thankful you did because one of the things I appreciate about you is that you're very bold and you will speak your mind. Yeah. Do you, and I know I know you well enough to know that you think through what you're going to say, which is great, but do you ever say something and you're like, I probably shouldn't have said that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that happens every day, right? Pretty much every <laughs> time you have, but you do have some lead time. I mean, we do meet with the superintendent and the deputy superintendent. So we are able to come up with, agenda items that we want to talk through, and, and mm-hmm. we discuss it at the Kasabi meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we're human, right? So I think, I think sometimes yeah. people appreciate when, you know, maybe you don't have, like, your, your thoughts already thought through, uh, because that just shows, like, hey, we're human, too. And yeah. I mean, you may say something that's not super popular, but I, I think that we need to have more of those critical conversations, yeah. and not yeah. everything is, you know, rainbows and unicorns every day.
0: Yeah. We, have Shocker, a tough, I know.
1: yeah, we have a tough f- job and we got to let, you know, those that, that are in that seat realize like what are we really dealing with? What is yeah. the reality of the situation?
0: I think that's one of the, the key things about you, you being in there personally, like, because re- people respect you because, you know, I've found at times when I say things, it probably doesn't go over very well, but, um, but you have the, you have the the respect to kind of be able to do it. And people will be like, oh yeah, that, okay. Let's listen to, let's listen to Jen. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in your year as president?
1: Um, well, first off, it was the negotiations, right? I mean, we we won some things, we didn't win everything, but but overall, we felt that the contract was pretty solid. We've had mm-hmm. you know, positive feedback from the membership, so that kind of started off. And now we're just working through um, having some of these these um, big ticket items addressed um, by the by the district leadership. Uh, being able to open up the lines of communication even more. I mean, they have been open, but ensuring that, you know, we're being listened to, they're understanding the challenges and the reality, and then trying to help them understand if something was rolled out, if there were challenges, maybe, you know, bringing solutions of, of what could be changed, what could be different. And then obviously, just continuing to uh, listen to the needs of the members. I mean, that's really the role is you're you know, you're sort of like a therapist, right? People call you and rant yeah, off. And you are had- definitely
0: my therapist often.
1: <laughs> there to support people through whatever challenges they have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, continue to uh, show people that we represent them and the contract, protecting the contract,
0: mm-hmm. you know, is
1: the big thing. So, so the hot topic right now is the evaluations. And so we have to ensure that, The process used to evaluate administrators is fair, and that you know principals are being given, uh, if if by chance there may be a two on an evaluation, that the process that's followed is that they've been given a direction, they've been given time to improve, um, and it's not a surprise when they get their eval in you know May or June that oh by the way. You know you've got some twos and and this is an issue so that's what we're really working on is is talking through that um, with the district leadership to help them understand how people were feeling this last round of evaluation yeah.
0: it's interesting to say that because I think you and I mean you and I probably went to um I call it admin school leadership you know about the same time it's interesting you say that because you really aren't allowed to give someone a two without Talking to them, helping them, coaching them, writing it down. Yeah. So it's a, it's interesting. I, I know you can't get into details that that maybe that's not being followed, uh, but at least you're fighting for it to be followed, which I think is the main purpose of having this union and this this uh, committee. Yeah. So.
1: And that's the main job of the executive director. And then you know, if if it comes through one of the uh, board members, right, then we are we're communicating that to the executive director that hey, this is an issue. Uh, people can go directly to Jeff Horn too. I mean that his door is always open, his phone's available. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people just don't feel as comfortable going directly. So we just try to we try to bring collective issues of the group forward. Um, we just met last night for the monthly leads and addressed some things. Um, I do feel like you know they are listening. I just know in a large system sometimes things are difficult to change on a dime, which is how we want them to change, right? Like if it's a problem in my school, I want it fixed tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's
0: important to you isn't important to them at times.
1: Yeah, so yeah. it's it's all in a matter of what's priority, but I do believe truly that we need to keep everyone in central focused on the schools. That's that's why we're all here. That's why we yeah. all have a job. So well, I, if we're not yeah, what, the school, then we're not. I mean, what, what are we here for?
0: Yeah, I think you and I are you know kind of the same type of leaders. Like it drives me crazy when you know I feel like everybody should be there for the teachers and the staff. Like you're there to support them. Absolutely. They're here to support us, and sometimes I feel like that gets lost a little bit. I don't know if we'll be similar on this, but what is the most difficult part of your job right now
1: of the principalship? Yeah, um, I think it's finding the balance between um, keeping the staff lifted up, right, and and pepped up for what they need to do, and not overwhelmed with all the new. Uh, so I have a lot of teachers on the newer end of the teaching profession and over half my staff is our alternate route. So they didn't go to college to be a teacher. You know, they have a degree in something else and then decided, Hey, I want to be a teacher. So we spend a lot of our time basically, you know, as a training ground. And then oftentimes in a few years, they're like, Hey, I want to be closer to home, you know, and all this, this, you know, time and investment. So our return on investment, sometimes we don't see it. Unfortunately, but, but again, if they stay in the district, Hey, we're happy. Um, so, so that's a challenge. Staffing was a challenge, but I, I'm happy to say I only have one vacancy, which is, awesome. is not usually the norm in a title one hour school, yeah. but Do again, feel- teachers help recruit. So that also builds right, right. strong staff because they're asking their friends or, or teachers from out of state who've retired somewhere to come. Um, so we get connected, you know, in that way
0: that's good. Do you feel like, so the podcast, the last one I did was on the teacher union versus the district. If the teachers union, first of all, I don't know where you feel like that's going to fall, but if, do you feel like a good contract will help your recruiting efforts um, at a school that, you know, teachers have to drive to, is that going to help kind of the pool for teachers for you going forward when the teachers that work there are tired of driving to your school and want to go closer to home
1: yeah absolutely if they go with any extra money to hard to fill positions or schools you know at risk hard to fill schools how are they determine that um, special ed any of that and then on top of that I think um, you know I think the coal is super important I, I think it's gonna I, my thought is it's going to arbitration i agree not sure this is going to get worked out this week um so i think it'll go to arbitration i'm not sure how the arbitrator will side but i do think the salary schedule needs to be fixed that's absolute importance I, i do know they've expressed that in the past um i truly believe the 231 money should be separate from the salary schedule. It was one time funding. I, I don't believe anybody would want to take a pay cut in two years when the legislative session is not you know, in session and is not able to fund that again. We don't know financially, right? Yeah. So I do believe financially the right thing to do is to to use the money that, you know the increase in the per people funding dollars to, to look at whatever the raises are gonna be. But I think both sides have to be reasonable, right? And that's the hard part, it's negotiations. Like I said, we won a little bit, we didn't win everything you know that's that's why it's called negotiations we had to come together and agree to disagree on some things and then try to continue to build that working relationship so in the next round of negotiations you know they realize hey they are willing to work with us
0: yeah i feel like uh, from my standpoint you know i don't if you agree or not but like you know i feel like the admin union has a much better relationship with uh the district and i think that helps at times uh, i was talking to a teacher about this and she, she made a great point. I don't know if you thought about this, but you just said uh the two thirty one money, which is basically the one time bonus or salary. It's not a bonus, but on and on and on. But anyway, she said I can't go buy a car with a salary increase that's gonna go away in two years. Or I can't go buy a house with a salary increase that's gonna go away in two years. And I was like, that's a great point that I haven't thought of is it's not really a salary increase if it's gonna go away.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you wouldn't want to readjust the salary schedule if you built it in. And the bottom line is just like you and your school and your school budget, you have a responsibility to be financially responsible. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing for the CFO, right? He has a responsibility yeah. to not put the district in jeopardy financially. Yeah, yeah and that's and the
0: point I try to tell. Cutting
1: positions, cutting wages, right? And so, you know, I, I mean, I don't have all the inner knowledge of sure. The- what's sure. happening this is just kind of my perspective watching the news reading reading articles uh reading the emails from the superintendent kind of trying to put it all together on what is fair you know what what is good moving forward for the next couple of years mm. with the contract i just know it's unfortunate because the longer this draws out you know the longer it is before they actually have this contract which means their raise there is no raise actually they've all taken a reduction now because of the yep. one point, you know the, the PERS increase Yeah. And so, you know, they're working for less now this year than they were last year.
0: Yeah. They're just getting more and more salty, I think, with the passage of time. So we'll see. We'll see how this week goes. So how do you I was thinking about this, too. So the district came out with a um, a stat the other day. I I believe it was the district has a thirty nine percent chronic absenteeism rate. In your opinion, how do we fix that? I mean, oh, I, so my, just all, you know, my school is at 20%. Um, I don't know what yours is. I think it's, you know, 41, yeah, it's hard. Yep. It's yep. hard.
1: It's so, hard. I, I think it's a combination, right? I mean, I think with the COVID protocols that were in place at the beginning yeah. of last year, we, we sort of had our hands tied a little bit there because we had, you know, kids still out with COVID and we were still following all of the procedures that went along with that. I think it'll be better this year. I mean, I always am hopeful, right, that it's going to be better the next year. Uh, We're we're launching our attendance incident plan right away. We've already started. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just getting people back into that mindset about, you know, understanding that every day of missed instruction for a child is huge. Whether you're in North Vegas in an at-risk school or you're at Tyrone Thompson, you're not there. We can never replicate that day. So getting our parents to understand, you know, like, yeah, we can send home a couple worksheets, but that doesn't replicate six hours, eleven minutes.
0: It doesn't. It doesn't. And
1: with all the gaps that we already have from COVID. Um, you know, ours was never this high pre-COVID. We were we were 12, 13% pre-COVID. And we always, you know, felt really good about that for for again, you know, our the the area that we're in. We just worked super hard to make contact with parents. We'd go do home visits, which we did last year too, but it was out of hand so early we just weren't able to get it back under control. Kids were already chronic by December.
0: Yeah, right? I think because you make a good right. point with the COVID protocols last year. If you walk by someone, you had to take five days off, right. kind of that's not really the specific part of it, but
1: we had to follow that in the beginning, so yeah. you know we had to give a little more grace. Um, and now that we're back in session and those have been, you know removed, I mm-hmm. think I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful. Um, I also think what I see in my setting is the motivation of the students right so if they say I don't want to come to school then they don't come yeah uh, one at home is is truly saying nope you got to go it's important it's your job yeah. so it's it takes a it's, it's a team effort between the community the family the school mm-hmm. uh, teachers making sure that they're connecting with kids building those relationships so that Mm -hmm. they do realize, Hey, I miss when I don't come to school. I mean, we try to make a big deal of that. Like, Oh, I missed you yesterday. I'm so glad to see you today. Um, You know, but for some kids, I mean, there's other challenges too that families have obviously that come up, you know, sometimes there are family emergencies and they do have to go out of town or to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like I said, because we were not so high pre COVID for us, this is really not, this is not the norm. And it really can't be the norm. I can't have 41% of my kids missing more than 10% of the school year. And then also on the flip side, expect them to exit WIDA, uh, grow on map, pass us back, all the things, right? So now yeah. it's just ding, 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 ding. Um, and it's frustrating for the teachers too. And I can I can see how it is frustrating because you cannot keep up.
0: You go into something. So you, yeah, I'm trying, I'm kind of leading it this way. At a meeting last year, you made a fantastic point. And all of us, we were internally clapping or clapping out loud. Why does the district not release the proficiency rates of the students who are not chronically absent? Because at your school, if they are at school, they are learning. And I think that would be so powerful for your staff to say, look, if they're here, you all are doing your job. I think that would be powerful for a lot of schools. So yeah, you know, I don't know if you want to expand on that thought, but it was such a poignant, perfect statement at our meeting.
1: Yeah. So what we did is we looked at our MAP data and we removed students out of the data just that were chronically absent just to see how are we doing with the kids who are not chronically absent. And I mean, it was 10 to 15 percent difference in every single grade level it was huge. I mean, in kindergarten, we had 75 percent of our kids. Uh, above the 40th percentile once we removed the chronically absent students. So of course, yeah, we still had 25% that, that weren't making it, but it was far better than we had. I had 61% of my kindergartners chronically absent last year.
0: Right. Yeah, so how do you combat that?
1: First grade. And I mean, they have all these gaps already in first grade. So now mm-hmm. we're not ready to read, <laughs> ready to do the math that's expected. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't know if it's if it's, you know, because they don't want to attach it because it's considered behavior. Um, but I, I think I think a lot of schools, I had a lot of people reach out. How did you do that? I shared, you know, the information from my strategist with people. We're gonna do the same thing with SBAC. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the SBAC data now. We're gonna go through that and actually kind of put it all together. We're gonna take the fall map. We're gonna take last year's ESPEC, you know, for the kids that took it last year. We're looking at chronic absenteeism for last year, you know, so we can really start tri- triangulating this data to see like when kids are here, how are they doing? And yeah. the kids that are the outliers who don't come to school, which unfortunately is a ton of them, um, you know, they're not they're not performing, and so we're just you cannot hardly close that gap once you get to like third grade, right? We yeah. know this. Just-
0: I just think it's so frustrating that we're not giving the teachers the kudos for doing a great job with the kids who show up.
1: Yeah. Well I think mean, I mean, yeah, of course. Right? But, but I agree. I think, you know, individual <laughs> teachers really shouldn't have to do it. It should be on a, a school wide level. Schools get their own data mm-hmm. in focus ed that shows, hey, here here's everybody, right? Just, almost 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 you're disaggregating it like a student group. If no, they so could turn
0: it around, sorry.
1: Oops, we have it by IEP. We have it by ELL yeah. non ELL. So let's just do one more.
0: But I think they could take the data and they could turn it around and make it public and say, the kids that come to school are doing well. The teachers are doing well. Parents, you're not doing well by not sending your kids to school. We are not 49th on the kids that are coming to school. I feel like they could just turn that around and make some really positive yeah, public yeah, statements with it.
1: That's right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yes,
0: so frustrating.
1: Keep I mean, chipping away at it. You know, we, we yeah. do chronic absenteeism frequently. Um, there is apparently a, a campaign going on right now. I haven't seen anything on the TV. I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything on social media mm-hmm. um, from the district. Um, you know, we asked for that from, you know, as a district, we have to take a stance. On kids coming into school, and and unfortunately, if elementary schools are at forty-one, what's going to happen by these time these kids get to middle school, right? Because now their gap is wider. Yeah. The work is harder. The learning is harder. Yeah, it's it's definitely you know, not persevere, right? Now you could basically be leading to additional kids who don't finish high school, so they don't graduate. I mean, it's just this tri- trickle effect when when we're this high in elementary it's going to be hard to ever like write the shit back up. Right. Once it's,
0: yeah, it's next to impossible. I mean, it's, it's no different than if you have um, you know, even if you have one or two, if you have a student in in first grade and they have a teacher that struggles and then in second grade they have a teacher who struggles, you can't even catch them up just from that, even if they show up every day. So now you throw in absenteeism and it's just next to impossible to do well, the job. Is- and then you get yeah. beat up publicly for not doing the job.
1: Yeah. That is the case, right? We've got this, we've got this teacher shortage going on. We've got kids who are not coming to school and you're right. Those kids could, could literally roll into kindergarten, have a long-term sub roll to first grade. Hopefully you're being strategic and not. (laughs) Hopefully that's not the case always. Right. So they could go one, two, three years and not even have, or have a brand new teacher who's, who's really learning their first year. And then, you know, not coming to school, all of it together is like the perfect storm.
0: If you Let's say the teachers get 10% and 8%. They get a significant raise. And now they have all these materials from the district via other funds. Let's just hypothetically say that in two years when the legislature meets, that data is not better. What do you think's going to happen then? I don't know. <laughs> It's scary, right? Because they got a raise, they got a significant raise, they got all the materials they are supposed to well, need. Is it ever gonna are they ever gonna give uh educators credit and say, well, maybe we need to look at parents?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't there, there's really no parental accountability, which can be super frustrating. I just don't know what that would look like exactly, right? I mean yeah, so I, something for attendance, like just starting like as a starting point. Yeah. I mean, it's this, we know this whole read by grade three retention thing doesn't work. Um, you know, we can, it's in a our scare goals, tactic. you can be retained one time. So now they don't read on grade level. So we're going to hold them back. I mean, so we're just going to have all these third grade classes and then what? So yeah, we held them back. Yeah. That didn't work. Do we qualify them for special ed? I mean, what, you know, where, where do we go from there?
0: Yeah, it just all I mean, attendance is so important and you can't you can't learn if you're not there.
1: Pause, which if you went to my school ever, you would ask people like what's the hill she'll die on? Attendance. Yeah. That's first foremost like the thing that I am constantly talking about to the kids, to the staff. I mean, we put it out on Dojo,
0: you yeah.
1: know, the the statistics around missing school Two days a month, it ends up being 18 days a year, ends up being this many years by the time you're a senior. Like, yeah. So, yeah,
0: I've had a radical idea. I don't know if I've talked to you about this, where if you miss, uh, let's just throw some nerves out there. You miss five days, that's a $10 fine payable to the school. You miss 10 days, that's a $50 fine payable to the school. You don't pay well, then you, you know, you suffer some other way financially, or you take it, you can take the, uh, you can take the positive approach where if you are not chronically absent, the state sends you a hundred dollar voucher for gas. There's a lot of like things I think they could do maybe that would help us out. I just don't know that they think out of the box like that, or would ever want to take that on.
1: There are districts that did that last year. They paid kids to come to school. They you shouldn't have
0: to, have to do that but at this point in time
1: shouldn't have to but you know again like you said think outside the box so so flip it around instead of finding you we're going to pay you and for mm-hmm. some families that that's a huge deal right yeah. I mean, if you have three or four kids and each kid might get 20 bucks a week you're looking at 80 bucks um that could be a game changer for a lot of families. Yeah. A lot I mean, of
0: people don't realize publicly that that would probably save driven money driven, in the end.
1: Right. Like, I mean, there's a lot of adults that are driven by money, but there's some adults that really aren't driven by money. So, yeah, I think,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: If you were throwing out $10 bills at the end of the week and you went around to classes and started passing out, you know, 10 or $20 bills and said, oh, you get this because you came this week or you were here four out of the five days or whatever the metric would be, um, you know, I think for, for a lot of families, it, it could definitely. For sure, for sure, you
0: make a good point. You know, at um at the some schools that wouldn't matter at all, but you know, some schools that would make a significant difference for sure.
1: Yeah, or gift cards, like you said. Either way, you know, maybe yeah. Smith or Walmart or Target or Amazon or or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to be able to think outside the box if you have the yeah. funding in your your budget, so that we're not sending it back to the state education fund with a new law with the carry forward dollars. I mean, that's yeah. a way that school could potentially make huge impact. Yeah, and using money that was allocated for their students to be able to do that it's just interesting to figure out like how would we do that right because it's not like you and i have a, a school debit card and we can go you right. know start withdrawing 20 dollar bills um, yeah, yeah someone someone will get in trouble
0: somehow and yeah,
1: we have to have some way that we're either buying gift cards or or whatever to be able to do that but we we did bring this up at, at one of yeah. our meetings we did bring it as an option
0: so 30 minutes has already gone by that fast. It's amazing. But so I'll I'll ask you one more question. You and I are close to the end of our career. Where do you see education going?
1: Uh, Yeah, my husband and I talk about this a lot. Um, Fortunately or unfortunately, I I see charter booming uh, because parents want choice. Um, Mm -hmm. And when there's more choice, obviously that's, they're going to go with what they think is best for their family and they should. Absolutely mm-hmm. should. You're you're if you're a parent, you are your child's big, biggest advocate. Uh, you know what's best for for your own children. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like brick and mortar is, is sort of on. I don't want to say on the way out, but um, each year I've been at Lincoln. I mean, our our enrollment has decreased a little bit each year to the point. I just looked back the other day. I think when I first got there, my projection was like 150 more kids than I'm projected for right now, and you know that's. 12 years-ish, which I actually didn't go back 12 years because I went back to the old budget system to look like what were my projections back maybe in like 20, you know, like 2014 or whatever. So 10 years. I don't know. I think the more options, the better, you know, for some kids online works, for some it doesn't. I really think we're going to have to get past the traditional year in kindergarten, year in first grade. Um, I know, you know, other districts out there are doing more of the competency-based, Education, I think that's an option, which would be awesome, but that takes a ton of training because kids move fluidly right throughout subjects and and knowledge and and showing mastery to standard. I really am on board with the portrait of a a, um, portrait of a Nevada learner pilot project where we start measuring other things in schools, not just test scores. So we're measuring, you know, kids' ability to think critically. We're measuring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how respectful are this is the student. Um, all
0: the intangibles of life that move the, you forward.
1: Right. These are all the things that employers are looking for. And so if we continue to measure things the way we've always done it, we aren't going to see education take a shift. So we have to shift with the times, which I think we aren't. Right. I mean, the grammar of schooling literally is, what, 200 years old. We're doing basically doing things the way we did 200 years ago.
0: Yeah, that's one of my biggest frustrations is you I know, just time don't. Time constraints
1: like- on subjects, Monday through Friday, you know, 8 to 11 I mean, we don't have options. So, you know, there probably needs to be, especially in, in a place like Las Vegas, there probably needs, needs to be schools that operate from noon to, you know, 630 p.m. For families yeah, that, I think
0: it's a great place to like, try some stuff out. I just, there's just no appetite for it. You try to do, you try to give an idea or move something forward and it just seems to just go like, so we have like on deaf ears.
1: Region, innovative, innovative region. So maybe that will get things spurring so that, you know, elementaries can jump onto that. Um, personally, I feel like every school should be like a magnet, right? We should all have something at our school that, that we do. Um, that keeps our families wanting to have their kids at our school. Um, That way we're not having to, you know, transport kids across town and, and deal with all of the challenges of just even having parents being able to apply and be kids accepted into magnets.
0: You make a good idea. You know, we need to be more marketable in some way. Ultimately, I mean, COSA kind of is school choice a little bit. Change of school assignment is a little bit of a school choice, but in a way, you know, we do have to kind of market ourselves some way. Why <clears throat> why does a kid want to come to Lincoln or Thompson? You you have to have something to make them want to come to school, exactly. otherwise they're yeah. chronically absent.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. For sure.
0: Well, I finally got you on here. I appreciate you very much. Thanks I don't for
1: think you- I appreciate it. It was great.
0: I don't think you said anything that's going to get you in trouble or anything, which is good.
1: I think we had a great conversation. <laughs>
0: appreciate it. So,
1: all right. Awesome principles coming together to chat about all things and different well, perspectives.
0: I think it's probably one awesome principle. We'll let the uh, the uh, listeners decide which one. But <laughs> yeah, <that's good. laughs> I appreciate you and I appreciate all you do for uh, admin and for uh, standing up for us. And, and, uh, just, uh, Thank you for your time and your leadership.
1: We're gonna fight the good fight.
0: We are. Just remember in the end, it's all about perspective.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, have a good day.